0: In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about Yoko Ono, Velcro skin, avoiding the Wishmaster situation, and the mysterious and paranormal, in our discussion of The Raven Boys by Maggie Stiefvater. Everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda,
1: and I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss *The Raven Boys* by Maggie steve Stiefvater.
0: Standard disclaimer: If you haven't read this book or listened to episode one of Fictional Hangover, oh, <laughs> have, I have, I have. <laughs> Please remember that fictional hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, but avoid episode one of the podcast. Then come back. If you haven't done this, but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like to show someone, so you don't care about any of that, then listen up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, episode one. Huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's been a while, but I have listened to
0: it. Mm. Mm. Just skip it. Mm. Just skip that one. (laughs) Just skip it.
1: (laughs) Is that your background info? This was episode (laughs) one. Skip skip
0: episode one. Um, Now, actually, I do have another bit of background info. It's from the... Y'all saw one thing leads to another blog, which I think we've talked about before. I don't remember mm. which episode that was. It might have been when A.S. King was on or Libba Bray, maybe. I can't remember. But anyway, um, there's a whole big, long thing about the interviewer talking about character-driven novels And they say, you yourself have also described your novels as character-driven, which means reader satisfaction comes largely from seeing people change over the course of the novel. And Maggie's response is, it's true that the characters are what I care about. I mean, I care about the other things, but as a reader, the characters are what I remember. Mostly, I just long to make my readers sick at heart that they will never meet my characters in real life. That's my goal. Does that sound sinister? I mean it in the nicest (laughs) possible way. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what an asshole. Oh what a lovable asshole. Yay. Yay. That's a creative asshole. We have a sparkly asshole, yes. a washed out asshole, and a creative asshole. It's
0: wonderful. Everyone can be an asshole.
1: <laughs> Everyone can be.
0: But not a garbage person There's a distinction No, do not be a garbage person Being a lovable asshole is different <laughs> yeah, Anywho That's, right.
1: that's So right. this is your pick Because it's lovable asshole month You too can own your very own Lovable asshole t-shirt From our Redbubble shop And currently Redbubble are doing money off
0: Woo! Hooray! Yes.
1: At the time of the recording, Redbubble are offering a percentage of discount on Yeah, the I was
0: going to ask, is this still going to be going when this episode is released next week?
1: To be fair, Redbubble are quite consistent in doing a money-off voucher. They so do. They do them all possible? the time. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Anywho.
0: Yeah, so this is my <laughs> pick. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is my month, actually, because it's my birthday month and for your birth for your birthday. Birthday? Birthday. My birthday. For your birthday month it was excessively British. And now for mine it's a lovable asshole. Yep. So this is the book that I picked, The Raven Boys, because one, I mean it's one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, two, I haven't gotten to talk about it with you. Three, mm-hmm. it's going to be released as a graphic novel. Sometime, yes, I saw that. Yeah, sometime in the next, hopefully, yearish. Four, the final book in the Ronin off trilogy just came out last month. So Ooh. there's lots of Raven Boys stuff floating around. Once upon a time, there was a TV show that was going to be on sci-fi, but that didn't ever happen, unfortunately. Huh. But it would have been really
1: cool. I think it would be quite good as an animation.
0: I think it would be. But
1: Even reading it it felt like you could i could see the i could see the comic potential in it mm-hmm. and you know if, generally speaking if something's got a comic potential i can see it being uh, an, an animation and i think it would be if it was like a gritty kind of castlevania almost mm-hmm. manga yeah i think that would be quite quite stunning actually yeah especially the raven <laughs> That could be really creepy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it could be. So, um, just a this is just a warning. Uh, this summary is longish, and it feels almost a little disjointed for me because the book is written in multiple points of view. So mm-hmm. it kind of jumps back and forth a little bit between blue and gansey and adam and barrington welk so it kind of it's kind of jump it's kind of jumpsy sometimes but you know what whatever i don't care deal with it because it's my favorite book and fuck all you guys
1: (laughs) This is Asshole Month.
0: It is Asshole Month. Look, this is the only asshole book, really, that we're talking about. I mean, next... The that next is true. One can, that is true. The next one can kind of be assholey, but it's also kind of demony. So... Yeah. It, it, it's a then, hashtag
1: tenuous link, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay, anyway. Blue Sargent has been told her entire life that if she kisses her true love, he will die. As a kid it didn't mean much, but now she's a teenager and has resigned herself to being alone forever. Alone isn't really a thing for Blue, though, as she lives in a house at three hundred Fox Way with her mother, Mora, and several of her mother's friends and or relations, Orla, Jimmy, and Persephone, and they all, except for Blue, are psychics. One day, Saint Mark's Eve, another psychic slash friend slash relation of blue's mother shows up neve
1: mora sends neve and blue to the church watch that night blue always goes to the church watch with mora or in this case neve because though not a psychic herself blue amplifies the abilities of other psychics which is very useful when doing the church watch every year on saint mark's eve they go to a little church along what they call the Corpse Road, and collect the names of the spirits they see passing through. These spirits are the people in the town of Henrietta, Virginia, where Blue and her family live, who will die within the next year. Mora tells anyone she knows who passed their way on St. Mark's Eve about their fate. That's so weird and cool and horrible.
0: I know. <laughs> this evening is different, though. Blue sees the vague spirit of a teenage boy, which she's never done before. Neve sends her to get the boy's name, and Blue learns that he is called Gansey. Gansey appears to be the spirit of a raven boy, which is what Blue calls the boys that go to the nearby private school, Aglenby Academy. It's very weird that Blue is able to see Gansey, but it's even weirder when Neve tells her the only two reasons why a non-seer would see a spirit on the corpse road. Gansey is either Blue's true love, or she's gonna kill him. Uh mm. oh, coincidence. Or both. Oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Richard Dick Campbell Gansey III is currently stranded on the side of the road. His bright orange 73 Camaro, the pig just died, which is not surprising. What is surprising is that the pig died shortly after Gansey heard himself on a recording he made the night before in which he says his name in response to a girl asking for it. Gansy didn't speak while he was recording, though. He was recording on a Lear line because, in all his research on the magical lines that crisscross the world, he learned that they are very powerful on St. Mark's Eve and can transmit high levels of energy. He calls his friend and roommate Ronan and their friend Adam to come rescue him from the side of the road.
0: When Ronan and Adam arrive in Ronan's fancy, bass-thumping BMW, Adam is on the phone with Ronan's older brother, Declan. Ronan and Declan do not get along at all, especially since their father, Neil, was murdered and Ronan found him less than a year ago. When Neil died, their mother stopped speaking, so Declan is in charge of the Lynch brothers now. He wants to bring his new girlfriend by Monmouth Manufacturing, the plant turned home where Gansey, Ronan, and their other roommate, Noah, reside to introduce her. And he wants to do it when Ronan is busy.
1: After Adam gets off the phone and begins to help Ronan and Gansey with the pig, Gansey shares his findings, which none of the boys believe to be coincidence at all. They believe that something is starting. But what? Gansey's reason for the Leerline research, and the reason he's been in Henrietta for the past year and a half, is to find Glendower, the missing Welsh king. So maybe his quest is actually going to begin. Adam joined in on Gansey's research after he came to Henrietta because they learned that whomever finds and wakes Glendower gets a wish. He, unlike his friends, is poor, an Angleby student only on scholarship and lives in a trailer with his abusive father, so he desperately wants to earn a way to escape that life. Ronan is in on it because he's Ronan and can do basically whatever he wants, plus he believes in the magic of the lines. Adam gives Gansey the number of a psychic, so maybe they can learn about what happened on the Line the night before.
0: Blue wakes up, having missed school. (laughs) Neve says it's because she let spirits walk through her while she was trying to get Gansey's name. She asks her mother about trying to save the people they see on the corpse road, but maybe that would just ruin the little time they have left. Neve offers to scry to see what will happen to Gansey, and she sees him, but then he disappears. Mara says Henrietta is like that when Neve finds it unusual. Mara turns to Blue and asks if she has to remind her not to kiss anyone. Then Blue has to get ready to go to work at the local pizza place.
1: Declan brings his girlfriend Ashley over to Monmouth to meet Gansey, Adam and Noah, but Ronan is also there and he and Declan get into it. Ashley talks to Gansey about the lear lines for a little bit, but then Ronan talks about how Declan is going to bring another girl by to do the exact thing before too long, so they leave. Adam worries that Ashley is too interested in Gansey's lear line research, but Gansey isn't, so they decide to go get pizza. Pizza, pizza,
0: pizza. <laughs> Barrington Welk, the Latin teacher at Aglumby and former student, is tired and headed to pick up homework assignments he needs to grade before class the next day. Like Blue and Gansey, he was also up too late on St. Mark's Eve investigating the ley line. As he's leaving school, another teacher comments on him missing class and sees Ronan's homework on the top of his stack. The other teacher mentions how Ronan never does homework or even bothers to show up for class, but maybe it's because Ronan and Gansey have Latin together. Talk then turns to Gansey and his obsession with the ley lines, which has Welk immediately intrigued. He thought he and his friend Churney were the only ones. Hmm. He's wrong. Blue goes
1: to work and sees four raven boys coming, led by a pretentious boy on a cell phone. One of the boys is elegant, one is smudgy, and one is sharp. Obviously, these boys are Gansy, Adam, Noah and Ronan, but Blue doesn't know that yet. Ganzi tries to get Blue to talk to Adam, but it seems more like he's trying to buy her attention, and it's, it's frankly embarrassing for everyone. Maura calls Blue then to tell her that Ganzi has just called to make an appointment for the next afternoon, and she needs to be there.
0: I love that phone call. Maura's like, are you sitting down? Maybe you should sit down. No, I don't think you need to sit down. At least lean on something. Yes. <laughs> I love Mara. <laughs> Adam and Gansey talk a little bit about the possibility of electrifying or energizing the ley lines in order to more easily follow them. But then the boys leave the pizza place when Declan arrives and he and Ronan get into a fist fight in the parking lot. Adam apologizes to Blue for not being brave enough to talk to her himself, but Blue really feels slighted by Gansey, though she doesn't yet know that he is Gansey. Blue gives Adam her phone number and feels nervous yet excited about it. As she stands outside taking in the idea of giving a Raven boy her phone number, her manager comes out with a journal one of the boys left behind. It's full of many interesting clippings and notes and documents all about ley lines and Welsh kings and their ties to Henrietta. Blue notices a specific doodle that is exactly like something she's seen her mother and Neve draw before. Early the next
1: day, an old friend of Gansey's, Roger Mallory, calls from the UK. He rambles for a good long while, but then finally tells Gansey that he read some research that the layer lines could possibly be dormant and in need of waking, and that they're buried far underground. He suggests there's a ritual they will need to do to wake the lines, and he's going to try it on a layer line near him in the UK. He just puts the coffee on, and the smell wakes it up. That's all it is. Works for me. That's all you need. If it's UK, it's coffee and a bacon sandwich smell.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. sure. That would work. After the phone call, Gansey goes to talk to Ronan about it, but he's not in his room. Noah suggests trying to find him at a church nearby, so Gansey calls Adam for help. The last time Ronan disappeared, Gansey found him in a pool of blood. It's a bad idea for Adam to sneak out because if his father finds him, it'll be bad. But finding your dead friend is possibly worse? Luckily, Gansey finds Ronan in the church, passed out drunk on a pew, holding a tiny baby raven. The raven is the symbol of Glendower, who is sometimes called the Raven King. So this has to mean something. It can't can't be another coincidence. Sign, sign, sign. <laughs> Ronan names the raven Chainsaw, and when asked where he found it, he drunkenly slurs, In my head. Unfortunately, Adam never turned up, which can't be good. Now it's Adam Barrington that we're going to Welk- found dead in a ditch somewhere.
1: Probably. Barrington woke wakes after not sleeping well, but since he started looking for the lead lines... Since Churney's death after the field ritual, he hasn't slept well. He wakes knowing something involving the ley lines just happened. He pulls out his old maps and looks at the old places he and Churney searched.
0: Blue wakes early when she hears Mara and Neve having a conversation about looking for someone, possibly Blue's father. Blue looks through the Raven Boy journal and reads about waking Glendower and earning a favour. She thinks about Gansey coming for his reading later in the day and what that will mean. She decides to take the journal to Persephone's room to see what she thinks about it. Persephone suggests she find out who the journal belongs to, and to see if what is inside is true.
1: Gansey goes to pick Adam up for school, but he's not out waiting for him. Gansey wants to skip school to try to find Adam, but he can't if he wants to keep up his classes at Alga Resigned, he goes to school without Adam. In Latin class, Gansey and Ronan talk about Adam missing school, and the teacher, Mr. Welk, seems to eavesdrop on them. But then class begins.
0: Also, and Ronan, Ronan a brought Chainsaw to class in a giant bag.
1: <laughs> well, of course. You've got to look after the animals.
0: <laughs> Later, Barrington Welk appears at 300 Fox Way, though he doesn't give his name. He asks for a reading, and the psychics give him one. It's all about him wanting to find something desperately after having lost everything. When Mara turns a tarot card, the Page of Cups, she ends the reading. That card is the card she believes to represent Blue, and she doesn't want her daughter to get involved with this man who seems to be on a desperate hunt for power. Gansey goes back to Adams after
1: school, but before he gets there, his sister Helen calls asking about their mother's birthday and if he's going to come home anytime soon. Probably, but not right now. He's dealing with more important things. Gansey knocks on the door of the trailer, and Adam's mother tells him he's out back. Adam's working on a car, and when he comes out, Gansey sees his face ruined with a black eye and bruises. Gansey tries to get Adam to leave with him, to come live with him at Monmouth, but Adam refuses. He wants to be a self-made man, and not belong to Gansey. They get back in the car and head to the psychics, but as they drive away, they see Adam's dad, who tries to run them off the road... (laughs) That guy is a dick. He's the worst. Oh my god. He's the worst.
0: Gansey is late to his reading at 300 Fox Way because of his Adam rescuing and because he's brought Adam and Ronan with him. Blue finally learns who Gansey is and realizes that the way he's gonna die is because she's gonna strangle him. Imagine falling in love with someone so pretentious that he tries to buy your time to talk to his friend. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Mara directs the boys to the reading room, and they plan to do one-off readings, where they each pull one card and the psychics interpret it. Persephone insists that Blue deal the tarot cards to the boys.
1: First, Blue goes to Adam. He pulls the Two of Swords. He's being pulled in multiple directions and being asked to do something he's not comfortable with. He might be able to escape his problems, but that option isn't available to him yet. Next, she goes to Ronan. He refuses to pull a card and instead tells the psychics to tell him something true first. Cala puts her hand on his shoulder and tells him that a secret killed his father and he knows what it is, which pisses him off and he leaves the room. Kala has the gift of psychometry, being able to touch something and get a reading. She asks, what are you, before he leaves the house? Gansey apologises on his behalf, and then Blue takes the cards to him.
0: Gansey asks Blue to choose his card, and she pulls the Page of Cups. But Mara freaks out and forces Blue to reshuffle and make Gansey choose. But again, he pulls the Page of Cups. Frustrated, Mara takes that card from him and makes him choose again. This time, he pulls the death card, but he's not disturbed by it. Then he asks about the ley lines, but Mara and the other psychics pretend not to know about them. Gansey asks if they really don't know about the lines or if they just don't want to help him. Uh Uh-oh, that is actually the truth. Mara tells Blue she doesn't want her to ever see the Raven Boys again. After the boys leave, Mara asks Kala what she saw when she touched Ronan, and she says that he's creating. That sounds oddly ominous. Yeah. Thank you for that cryptic message. Yeah, what does that mean?
1: Gansey wakes up later that night to a very weird and terrible sound. He goes to Ronan's room to find him feeding a screaming chainsaw. After this, Gansey goes back to his room to look at the journal, but he forgot that he left it at the pizza place. Then he he is a wasp in his window. He immediately thinks of being stung to death, which happened when he was a kid, and now he's too terrified to move.
0: Luckily, Ronan comes in to say something, and then attacks the wasp with a shoe. He came to ask Gansey about something Noah told him. Noah said that Gansey and Adam might leave together on the Glendale request, so Ronan wonders if Gansey doesn't want him to come along. That's just ridiculous, though. Gansey won't leave any of his friends behind. Ronan starts to say something else to Gansey, but then mumbles about something strange happening and how something is starting. Gansey agrees.
1: Blue wakes and goes out in the backyard and finds Niamh scrying behind the beech tree. She approaches and talks to not Neve, a creepy voice that comes from Neve, but it's definitely not her. Blue disrupts the scrying.
0: The next day, Welk looks in Gansey's locker and takes his notebooks to copy. He sees things that he wants and knows that he and Cherney were on the right track back when they were teens and that Gansey is on the right track now. He's got to beat him, though. He's got to be the one to wake the ley lines and take their power.
1: Blue talks to Calla about why Neve is there. Calla says she was meant to be there looking for someone, but now she seems to be there for something more. Blue asks Calla to go through Neve's things using her psychometric power with Blue as a booster. They plan to go into her room sometime when she's not there. Calla will figure out when will be the best time and let Blue know. As they are talking, Blue gets a delivery of flowers from Adam. Blue then asks Calla if she should tell the Raven boys where the corpse road is, but Calla can't make that decision. Ever since the boys came to 300 Fox Way, Blue has felt that she has been tied to them. She asks Calla not to say anything to Mora. Yeah, it's for the best.
0: Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> Messing around outside with Noah and Ronan, who wants to build a ramp to the moon, Adam <laughs> decides to call Blue. God, I love, I just, I love Ronan so much. I can't, I can't not love him. (sighs) Sorry. Noah tells Ronan in the background that Adam sent her flowers, which doesn't seem like it goes over well. And also, how did he know? But Adam calls anyway and invites Blue to go with the group later in a helicopter to try to spot the ley line. Disbelieving, Blue agrees yeah just go on the helicopter ride. it's fine
1: it's fine it's not, that's, that's it's not average normal. Adam goes to pick Blue up a little later and their conversation is sweet and awkward as they walk to Monmouth manufacturing where there is indeed an actual helicopter <laughs> Blue gives Adam a map to the church where they do the watch and Gansey's notebook she
0: says that she wants to be in on whatever they're doing so they get in the helicopter <laughs> Gansy's excitement in the helicopter is contagious. He introduces Blue to his sister, Helen, who is piloting. Gansy feels a little jealous about Adam and Blue, but doesn't really understand why. Adam gives Gansy the map, Blue drew, and when he asks her about the map and its lack of details, she says, that's all there is. Gansy immediately realizes that it was Blue's voice he heard on the recorder because they said that exact same thing then. But
1: what does that mean? Ronan asks if Blue knows Gansey, and she has to reveal how she knows him. But first she asks about the drawing he has done throughout his journal. The same one that her mother and Neve drew. Gansey explains that they are Lear lines where mysterious and paranormal things happen, but that these lines seem to be the most important ones where they might find Glendower which Blue, of course, read about in the journal. Blue explains that she saw Gansey's spirit, but not what it means, but it was enough for all the boys. Now, on the same page, they head to the church, where they see the outline of a raven from the sky. Ah, dum, dum, dum.
0: <laughs> Helen lands a helicopter near the raven, which is by a wooded area. They see that the raven is made from oyster shells, which is very odd considering how far away they are from the coast. Talk turns to Glendower and why he might be in the U.S. instead of Wales. Blue talks about the corpse road and how they used to carry bodies along it, so maybe Glendower was carried there. Then, Gansey mentions Mallory and his idea about charging the ley lines, which might lead to them finding him. Adam asks Blue if her boosting ability would work like that, which it just might. Then, they decide to walk into the woods. (laughs) Because that's always
1: been a good decision. Gansy thinks he hears Noah's voice. So they go deeper into the woods. They see a stream and follow it. And then they see fish in the stream. Which doesn't seem likely at all. Then they seem to change colours. Gansy thinks Mm -mm. the fish are there because he... thought they should be there which makes blue feel like she's inside a dream this sounds very mysterious and paranormal
0: i feel like the rest of the book is about to feel that way yeah we we've (laughs) we have entered twilight zone we have we definitely definitely have adam and ronan then find an oak tree that has a spot big enough for them to stand inside, and Adam, seemingly freaked the fuck out, asks someone to go in. Blue does, and inside, she sees herself crying as Gansey gently touches her face. Just as he asks her to kiss him, Blue opens her eyes and leaves the tree. Was that the future? (laughs) Adam tells Blue he would never do that to him, but she doesn't understand. It seems like he saw something else when he was inside. Gansey enters the tree, and he also sees something else. Glendower.
1: Ooh. Ooh. It took them only seven minutes to walk through the woods and find the tree, but it should have taken 40, which is, again, mysterious and paranormal.
0: Ooh. Ooh.
1: When they get back to Monmouth, they decide to go for Gelato and plan to talk about their lines and energy, but they goof off and have fun instead. Gansey again feels like something is starting and that everything is complete now that Blue is part of their group.
0: After a few weeks of research, the group goes back to the Raven and the woods. They somehow walk through two seasons in the woods... Mysterious and paranormal. And then they come upon a rock with a joke written on it in Latin. That's odd. (laughs) The joke is written in Ronan's handwriting, which is even more odd. After the joke, Ronan left a message that the trees speak Latin and to call the woods by name. Caveswater. Nobody speaks Latin anymore. Ronan dies, damn it! <laughs> He's good at it.
1: Well, okay, one. After Ronan greets them in Latin, the trees welcome Grey Warren and the psychic's daughter. But only Ganzi and Noah can hear them. Ronan translates and learns that he is Grey Warren, whatever that actually means, and they ask if the trees know where Glendower is, but no. Then they ask how to get out of the woods, because they are understandably a little freaked out. The trees lead them a different way out than they came in, which causes them to find an abandoned Mustang, which makes Noah puke. Confused, they walk out of the woods and head back to Monmouth.
0: A few days later, Gansy calls Blue and asks her to go exploring, but just her, because the other boys are busy. It's weird, but she agrees to go. Before she can leave, Mara and the rest of the psychics stop her and ask her what she's been up to for the past few weeks. Mara is upset because clearly she knows Blue has been sneaking around and hanging out with Gansey and the Raven Boys, but she allows her to go. Before she leaves, Kala reminds Blue about their movie night, meaning she found a time for them to snoop in Neve's room. Blue and Gansey go to the church, and on the way, his glove box pops open
1: to reveal an EpiPen. They don't talk too much about it, other than the fact that it is Gansey's, and then they walk through the woods, exploring. As they walk, Gansey talks about how he's wanted the lines to react how they are now, and said it's thanks to her, so he's happy that he could kiss her. No. No. Mm-mm. No. 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 She no. explains to him what the psychics have told her all her life about killing her true love with a kiss and then she asks him not to tell Adam. It seems they've got closer after Blue reveals this so then she asks why Gansy's looking for Glendower. He explains that when he was a kid he was stung to death by a nest of hornets. As he died, a voice told him that he will live because of Glendower and that someone else was dying at the same time. So Gansey will get to live, and he did. After this story, they walk along the line and find an old body wearing an Angleby sweater.
0: It's Noah. What? (gasps) Gansey goes back to Monmouth, searching for Noah, which freaks out Adam and Ronan. He asks them what Noah's last name is. What classes they share with them. If they've ever seen him eat they don't know they share no classes and they've never seen noah eat anything gansey reveals that this is because noah is a ghost which causes noah to spend the next little bit of time flickering in and out and haunting them adam wants to do something to get the old noah back
1: mysterious and paranormal (laughs) Later, Gansey goes to visit his mother for her birthday, and while he's gone, Declan comes by to tell him that Ronan is getting expelled. Shit. Shit. Adam calls Gansey to tell him, and then Gansey calls the school to bribe the counsellor. They reach an agreement that Ronan has to behave and pass his finals with bees, plus the Gansey family has to donate a lot of money to the library. But it all seems fine. As he leaves, Gansey's father tries to get him to take one of their many, many cars back home because he's afraid the pig won't make it. But he refuses. The pig is fine.
0: Coincidence? (laughs) While Gansey is away, Blue goes to Monmouth and asks about Noah. She wonders if they were to put his bones, which were taken by the police, back onto the ley line, if he would return to his normal self. That's possible, but they can't do anything about it now. Adam then shows Blue some of Gansey's leyline collecting things, and they laugh and enjoy each other's company. Blue worries that Adam will try to kiss her, and she fumbles with how to tell him not to. But then Ronan comes down with Chainsaw, and Noah appears. Crisis averted.
1: (laughs) Noah tells him that he was more when he was alive, so Blue offers her energy to him, and he immediately becomes more vibrant. He tells them he's been dead for seven years, which Adam recalls was exactly when Gansey was stung to death. Noah said that his death on the line was supposed to do something to it. Maybe wake it up, but it didn't work. Ronan tries to get Noah to tell him who killed him, but he doesn't want to confess. Finally, he says they already know. Mm.
0: (gasps) Do they, though? Do they? Do they? Gansey drives back home in the pig. He's frustrated about Ronan and having to bribe the school. Now, just when Glendower seems possible. Instead of researching and possibly finding the missing king, he's got to babysit his friend and go to classes instead. He gets more and more frustrated and starts driving aggressively, speeding like crazy, until the pig dies. Coincidence? Soon, a car pulls
1: up behind Gansey, and Barrington Welk gets out, demands Gansey's journal, and pulls out a gun. God nice oh, damn
0: it.
1: He yells at Gansey about him finding Noah, and how the police have come asking questions. Then he asks about Glendower. When Gansey says he hasn't found him, and hands over the journal, Welk cocks the gun and puts it on his forehead. Gansy punches the gun away, and they both scrabble for it, and Welk, clearly mad, runs away back to his car. Wherever he's heading now, he's got nothing left to lose.
0: Ah, oh, jeez. What an ass. Mmm. Mmm. While all this is happening, Blue and Kala go up into the attic where Neve has been staying. Persephone joins them and tells them that Mara knows what they're doing, and that they have until midnight. <laughs> Kala and Persephone explain that Neve came to see Mora and offered to help her find Blue's father who Mora called butternut <laughs> They soon get to work and Kala touches a set of scrying mirrors and learns that Neve isn't happy with her success and wants more Uh-oh Persephone says she thinks Neve came to help, but then got obsessed with the ley line power in Henrietta. Calla reads Neve's planner and learned that someone called her almost a year ago and asked her to come to Henrietta to find the ley line and a place of power. That someone is Barrington Welk. Then the Raven Boys arrive, as well as Mara and Neve.
1: After some awkwardness of being found snooping, they talk about why they're all there, and how Gansey was almost shot and robbed, and what Neve has been doing, and mostly about Barrington Welk, who is at the centre of it all. They decide they should wake the ley line before Welk does, because whatever he plans on doing with lots of power probably isn't good. Gansey refuses to let Welk find Glendower first, so he wants to go to Caveswater, but he also wants to do more research. So the group spits up.
0: Ronan takes Adam home, and unfortunately, Adam's father is there and angry. Ronan drives away as Adam's father yells about something his mother found in his room. It's a pay stub for one of his jobs. Then his father punches him down the stairs of the porch. He yells at him about how much money he wastes at school, but Adam can't hear him. He's lost the hearing in his left ear. Soon, Ronan is back and punching Adam's father, and his mother is calling the police. As the cops handcuff Ronan, Adam speaks up. He says that Ronan was defending him and asks to press charges against his abusive father. Finally! (laughs) Well, yes. Barrington Welk
1: has pulled over, worried that the police are after him because he's killed his best friend seven years ago. Damn. There is a for near where he stopped and it's ringing. That's uh, odd. Mysterious and paranormal. Mysterious. He answers it to find Neve on the other line. Paranormal. She offers to help him complete his ritual that he asked her about the last time they spoke. Uh, what? Excuse me,
0: what? 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 Gansey picks up Adam from the hospital, and Adam dejectedly asks Gansey to take him to get his stuff. They fight about Adam being too proud to get help and about how condescending Gansey is. Gansey feels like nothing as Adam storms off. He convinces Adam to get in his car and tells him he'll take him anywhere, that it doesn't have to be Monmouth. They go to Adam's trailer and get his things, including his father's gun. That guy does not need a gun.
1: No, no, not at all. Blue goes to Monmouth and finds Noah. As they talk about Adam, the phone rings and Noah tells her to answer it. Mallory calls to tell Gansey that he tried the ritual and his colleague, who was there, assisting, literally, stepped out of his skin. Yikes! What the hell? Yikes! He tells them they set up a circle of stones on the centre of the layer lines. His friend said something jokey about losing his skin and, yes, That's what happened. It just came off. (laughs) Apparently, the lines are very literal in what they do and much more powerful than they ever thought. Then Gansey, Adam and Ronan arrive. Blue tells them about Mallory's troubles on the Lear line. (laughs) Troubles. Troubles. (laughs) (laughs) Gansey... and Gansy falls into a pile of pity. Gansy doesn't want anyone to get hurt, continuing to try to wake the line, but Adam and Ronan don't care. They fight about waking the line before Welk can. Welk, meanwhile, is currently tied up in the back seat of his own car and Neve is driving. He knows she's going to sacrifice him like he tried to do with Journey. <laughs> oh, so sad
0: Troubles. Troubles. Back at 300 Fox Way, Adam approaches Blue, who is sitting under the beech tree. She tells him he's brave, and he says he wants to kiss her. But whoa, whoa, nah, no. Then they talk about what Mora told him at his reading. Later, Adam thinks about what he saw in the dream tree, Gansy dead at his hands, and decides he's going to wake the ley line. If he wakes the line, he'll have what he's always wanted. He'll be his own person. He'll be equal to all his friends. He sneaks out, leaving his sleeping friends behind. Luckily, Noah's always lurking somewhere mysteriously in the background, and he alerts Gansey that Adam left. Gansey wakes Ronan, and they rush off.
1: Maura apologizes to Blue about not telling her about her father, Butternut. Blue cuts in, which makes Mora cringe. Mora <laughs> corrects her with his actual name, Artemis. Maura thinks Artemis has something to do with the Leil lines. When Mora and Persephone and Calla were younger, they did a ritual on the Leil line, and soon after, Artemis appeared. They had a baby, Blue, and as soon as she was born, Artemis disappeared. Persephone comes in to tell Blue that the Raven boys are coming to get her. The psychics decide to help by stopping Neve, but they'll do that from home.
0: Mm. Adam goes to Cabe's Water and realizes just like what Mallory said it is very literal. When he arrived he wished it had been daytime and immediately it became daytime. He realizes he must be careful. He finds Neve's scrying materials and then sees Welk and Neve. Welk is arguing with Neve about being her sacrifice like he sacrificed Cherny. Eve tells him his sacrifice will not be painful, or at least not for long. She will bleed him out on the line. But then he bashes her in the head. Damn it.
1: Blue Gansy and Ronan enter Cave's water. They find Noah's Mustang again and watch as an invisible hand inside writes on the dust in the windows. Murdered. Murdered over and over again. This is very mysterious and paranormal. (laughs) Ronan writes, remembered back, then they take off
0: deeper into cave's water. Adam approaches Welk with his father's gun. He asks about Noah, but Welk refuses to talk, then threatens to cut off Neve's face, unless Adam throws the gun Neve explains that Welk killing her won't be an adequate sacrifice to the ley lines, so it won't work. Then Ganzi and the others appear, and Neve disappears. Apparently, the psychics did something mysterious and paranormal back at 300 Fox Way. As a scrabble happens for the gun and all his friends fight, Adam jumps to the line and makes a sacrifice. He gives up himself he offers to be the hands and eyes of the line and Caveswater wakes.
1: water wakes
0: welk shoots adam
1: Dick. angry that he made the sacrifice but adam does not get hit welk drops the gun and a stampede of white animals come out of the dream tree Meanwhile, everyone sees through the dream tree as Blue and Gansey nearly kiss in the front seat of the pig at some point in the future. Gansey jumps out of the vision and goes for Adam. Then they all see that Welk has been trampled. Gansey is angry that Adam let that happen, but Adam stands up for himself and tells Gansey that now they can find Glendower and decide what to do about Welk later. As they leave, the tree calls to them and tells them that there is a king waiting for them.
0: A little bit of time passes, and at the beginning of June, they attend a funeral for Noah before digging up and reburying his bones on the ley line. They bury Noah at the old church, and then he appears, solid, and asks if they can go home. As they leave, Ronan says... Now would be a good time to tell them that he pulled Chainsaw out of his dreams. Oh. Ah! Oh. That's literally the end.
1: Damn. That is both mysterious and paranormal. It is
0: mysterious and paranormal. Crazy. Should we go hunt for some airlines? We should. We should. Let's take a layline break. Hi, I'm
1: Michael. I'm Barbara.
0: And I'm Lauren.
1: We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show.
0: Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering
1: all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews.
0: Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later.
1: You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show.
0: So... So... <laughs> Well now, wellity wellity wellity. Bloody lot happens in that book, doesn't it? I know. So much happens in that book. It's it's such it's a like, good setup for the rest of the series. There's four books in the series, isn't there? Yeah. So
1: tell me, Amanda, why is it your favourite book? This is you this is one of your favourite books,
0: you know, come on. Tell I know. tell everybody. I know. This is one of my favourite books. I think the thing about it is, and it's also like um, Lainey Taylor's books, it's very verbose. um, And it's, I don't want to say magical realism because that's not exactly what that means, but it's a real, regular, normal world. And everyone's normal and human. I mean, minus a ghost and whatever Ronan is. But there's just normal people and weird stuff happens to them. But it's a normal, regular world. And I think Mm -hmm. that's my favorite thing about it. Um, Also, I really love the vocabulary and the word choice and how rich it is. Which I know a lot of people don't like. It's it, it almost feels kind of daunting because there's so if there's so much, it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. But I love it. I love it. Um, and I also really, really love Will Patton's narration. Okay. He, he narrates a lot of Stephen King's books too, and oh. I just really like listening to him talk. He's got an actual true, Southern accent, it's it's not fake. I mean, some of it's fake, but yeah, but it's real. You know, it's not like he's doing General American or something like that. It's not putting some weird drawl on. No, and and I really like it. I know that it's tough because he's you know his voice is pretty deep, and there are a lot of ladies in this one, but. Yeah. I feel like which I know you probably don't like about it which you probably don't even like this book at all but I don't know I just like Will Patton's voice I think he did a great job especially with Ronan
1: yeah I've, with the boys it's perfect but yeah you're right Like there were a lot of female voices and Blue was fine but there were some others that I will admit did make me cringe a little bit. They were a little bit too like breathy, or he was trying to do a a pitch that wasn't natural to him because he was trying to do a female voice, and I I I didn't like the I didn't like all the female voices, but every time it was just the boys, perfect. I, it, he, he had a really smooth narration. It was really rich. But yeah, that might it was mostly good.
0: See, I completely disagree. Mm-hmm. I completely disagree with you because like I have a feeling that you're talking mostly about Persephone's voice, but Persephone oh, is very awesome. uh, willowy and barely there which comes into play later in the series about uh, just there's a lot more about Persephone's character that that shows up later and she's very wispy and floaty and isn't paying attention to anything that's going on so I can I can understand why he made the choice to have her voice so so whispery and High pitched and and delicate, but it just, it just it just comes into play later.
1: Well, I mean that's fine if if the if he's taking cues from the series rather than just the book, then that's fine. But having just read the one book, having just read the Raven Boys and having no concept of what happens in the rest of the series at all, it wasn't my favorite narration. But for the female voices but like i said with the boys it's perfect and i have absolutely no comments no commentary about that you know stick to the male the male voices were were really excellent and then it just it i like but then you know if he is taking the cues from the rest of the series and that's fine but it's just my mine is based from one book and one book alone it wasn't, it wasn't 100% for me.
0: I feel like we Probably should stop talking about the narration because that doesn't have anything to do with the book. No. Even though I loved it. And you're wrong. <laughs> we are allowed lovable our asshole! different opinions. We are
1: allowed our different opinions.
0: Yes, but if we don't stop talking about it, I feel like we're going to get into a lovable asshole fight. Well, I've got...
1: I've said my piece. We... You've said yours, and I think that's fine. You know, it's not. It's a, it's the same with other other narrations, like um, the Night Circus. Jim Dale. He's got a glorious, delicious voice, but I just could not get away with the audio book. And I I remember I think I listened to about seventy five percent, and I didn't realize I'd listened to seventy five percent of the book because I just didn't hear it because he's I just his voice didn't stick in my brain it was too nice, it was too calming <laughs> it's just one of those things some some books are easier to read some books are easier to listen to most books are easier to listen to <laughs> can I say how much I really enjoy
0: the fact that The Raven's called Chainsaw yes, I like Chainsaw <laughs> I like that Chainsaw just appears one day and they're like, Gansy's like, where did you find a raven? He's like, I just found it. Just found it. He's like, no, people find pennies. You don't just find a raven. He's like, oh, you're jealous. I found a raven. <laughs> but it's because he pulled it out of his dreams, which you don't find out until the literal last line of the text. That's
1: not normal.
0: He's creating. What's going on there? He's creating. Mmm. Mmm.
1: Very interesting. Very interesting. That, that is a very interesting, intriguing and tidbit that you kind of want to follow through. It, it's dropped in so the last second you're like, damn it, okay, I'll read on. If, even if you had no intention of reading any more in the book, you're kind of like, well, I've got to know how that's happened.
0: Yeah, I've gotta know. What does this mean? Did he really pull something out of his dreams?
1: Yes. What else does he pull from dreams? So much.
0: <laughs> Spoilers. There. Spoilers. An Xbox. For he gets
1: hungry, pulls a burger from his dreams.
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert, everyone. Book two is called The Dream Thieves, and it's mostly Whoa. it's mostly about Ronan. Okay. Spoiler alert.
1: And then also <laughs>
0: spoiler alert, the spinoff series, three books, all about Ronan. <laughs> all about Ronan and pulling shit out of his dreams. In some cases, literally. I don't think he's ever actually pulled physical shit out. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he did, though.
1: And then lops it at someone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. (laughs) (laughs) Something else that I really like about this book is the multiple points of view that we get. Mm. And I really like how different... Gansey and Adam are, and really how different Adam is from everybody because he doesn't fit in, he's a scholarship student, he's working three jobs and going to school just so he can afford to go to this school. Um, And like, he gets the shit beat out of him by his dad all the time and just doesn't stand up for himself. And then when Ronan comes to his rescue, he finally does decide to stand up and say, "Hey, um, don't arrest him! Don't arrest my friend! He—he <sighs> he was literally just trying to save my life." Also, I'm completely deaf uh, in my ear now, thanks to being punched down the stairs. The, his dad is the worst. With his
1: dad were the worst.
0: They were terrible. They were <sighs> and his mom too. His mom's worse. I think, than his dad, saying, don't you think it was a little bit your fault? Mm. Nah. Never your fault for getting punched down the stairs. No.
1: I think I was sitting, like, listening to him, just asshole, asshole, get him arrested, just uh, uh." Just waiting for somebody to come along and punch his dad for him.
0: Yeah, because it was clear he's never going to do it. He's never no. going to punch his dad back. So,
1: no. Even though so it was should. very
0: gratifying for him to
1: finally stand up. Yeah. Um, but would he, if it wasn't
0: for the fact that his friend was going to get me arrested instead? I, I don't think... I don't think... I don't think he would have done anything if Ronan hadn't come back.
1: No. But it shows that he has more respect... His found family than the people who birthed him.
0: Yeah. And you know how we feel about found families.
1: Oh yes, completely. I really like the boys. I really liked Ronan and Noah and Adam and Gansey I like I like them together as a group. Mm -hmm. Almost to the point that I didn't need blue. Like I don't need romance. Mm -hmm. I didn't need her necessarily in the story I didn't feel like she drove the story much like she was a conduit for the psychic family Mm -hmm. I could have done without Blue's character with no disrespect to Blue she's nice enough, she's fine but I wanted it to be more about the four boys and without her, I wasn't, I didn't need to see her point of view, I didn't need her to come in and be all like, oh I'm going to kiss ki- my my true love, I'm going to kiss him and he's going to die, and I, I didn't she was probably the most angsty teen out of them, she wasn't massively, like annoyingly angsty mm-hmm. but she was probably the most angsty teen, whereas the four the four boys are your regular prickish teenagers <laughs> Being lads. Yeah. With some mysterious and paranormal activity thrown in there. And that was fun. Like their dynamic was fun. The fact they are very four I mean, one of them's a freaking ghost, for goodness sake. You know, the they're, they're so sort of very four different people mm-hmm. but together they form a really good group. And they care about each other. Yeah. Like massively like you know going out of the way to bribe the school to keep them in you know and i, I like that and i wanted that so blue for me turned into a very minor character that i just wasn't that and in, like invested in which might be controversial might not
0: i like the boys keep the boys. Well, Gansey does say that the lines, he's been wanting the lines to work for, you know, a year and a half. And it took Blue joining for them to work. So she's kind of important. She is, but I also get the Yoko
1: Ono vibe. Like, is she going to Yoko Ono the braven Boys? No. And I'm worried about that.
0: You might Yoko Ono them a little bit, but it's fine.
1: Don't Yoko Ono the Raven Boys! It's
0: fine. It's fine. <sighs> it all turns out fine in the end. The Yoko Onoing brings about something very special. So it's fine fine it's fine we'll see I was going to say something before you started talking about Yoko Ono I can't remember <laughs> what it was was it mysterious or paranormal it might have been mysterious and or paranormal oh yeah uh, Noah it's about Noah yeah so it is mysterious and paranormal it is, it is mysterious and paranormal I love Noah I love him Yes, yes, he is precious. He is. And one of my favorite things about Noah is that he is a ghost and he literally just is, like, just pops into a conversation one day and you're like, oh, there's another boy that lives there? Oh, there's another guy? And when he meets... (laughs) Declan and or when he meets Ashley and Ashley shakes his hand she's like oh your hand's cold." he's like yeah I've been dead for seven years he's telling the truth and no one <laughs> no one's fazed by it and they're like oh haha he's so funny oh he's so funny <laughs> like nah he's like, and then <laughs> and then at the end when Gansey comes in and is like Noah you're a ghost he's like well I told you I literally told Multiple everyone talks. that I'm a ghost.
1: Hi, my name's Noah. I'm dead. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, I tr- I tried to tell you. I said it just a couple of weeks ago. I'm dead. <laughs> I've been dead for seven years, and you just go along with it in the story, thinking, "Oh, ha he's just being funny." Nah. He's a ghost. <laughs> he yeah, I think that's where your joke
1: probably wins over the print book because it's said so offhandedly whereas if you saw it on the written page you'd probably stick in your mind a little bit more but when you're listening to it you kind of it, it's it's such a, a flippant remark that it's easily dismissed whereas if you're reading it you're like he, he's just Told her Wait, he just he's said dead. he's a ghost
0: like is that yeah is that real I've been dead for seven yeah. years is that real is he being sarcastic exactly
1: but there's so many moments where they're like oh look there's the three boys and then there's four of them standing there and it's like <laughs> yeah which was actually probably my surprise just nipping ahead a little bit there it reminded sure. me of a quote by Maya Angelou when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Noah's <coughs> no telling everybody he's a ghost and he's dead. Believe him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. I mean, it wasn't that's... the fact he was a ghost, it's the fact that nobody believed him that surprised me. It took so yeah. long, and then it's like you could hear the penny. It wasn't just a little tinkle, it was a whole thud as it dropped, and they go,
0: Oh, oh! So that's he why. Rent? Nothing, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't pay rent. Nothing's ever moved in his room. He just appears. He knows things when he wasn't around. Like when when Adam sends flowers to Blue. And Noah's, like, whispering to Ronan in the background, hey, yeah, you just bought her some flowers. He's like, how do you know that? Where were you? He was there. He was there just in the background. He and Agatha would be really good friends. They're just hanging out behind the ferns together. (laughs) Being, Being a little creepy. A little creepy. A little mysterious. Perhaps a little paranormal.
1: Definitely a little mysterious and definitely a little paranormal and definitely a bit creepy.
0: Yeah, and he's just always there. He's just always there in the background. And he is precious. He is precious. Still, still precious. He is really The precious.
1: description of his body on the layer line when they found it was really icky. Yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I also really love when Roger Mallory calls and I was like, well, um we did this thing, and then my friend's skin fell off. And then Whoops. he's like, don't tell Ganzi, okay? Because he's delicate. And he's gonna get upset by that. <laughs> he literally stepped out of his skin. Like, he's, he's gonna be fine, but, um... Yeah, his skin fell off. It's going to itch if it grows back. Yeah, but he's going to be fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's just a little spot of trouble. (laughs) His skin fell off. (laughs) Whoops.
1: Dude, you've, you've, you've dropped something? It's your skin. Your entire skin. skin. <laughs> Your skin fell off. And just somebody picks it up by the hair. Just starts wagging around. And they'll be all...
0: Yeah, like, I wonder, thing. you know, since he just walked out of it, did they just put it back on him like a coat and sew it up?
1: Is it like, you know, Velcro suits when, you know, strippers... Yeah, Velcro
0: it's a breakaway. It's a breakaway, yeah, so, it's a breakaway you know, suit.
1: Yeah, so... breakaway skin suit. where's the seam? Where's the seam? Butt crack. Or is it zip? It's
0: butt just crack. a butt crack. It goes all the way up the back of like your spine.
1: Mm, okay. I mean, it's, is it going to be buttons? Is it Velcro? Is it a zip? It's
0: I mean, like, look. for it to break away so easily, I feel like it's probably Velcro. Yeah. Because if, if it, it was a on, zip, I mean you'd you'd have to unzip it if it was a zip. Yeah. And
1: buttons, poof. You'd have to have one of those special hooks they use on wedding dresses.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's probably velcro, velcro skin. It's velcro skin. It's velcro skin. It's mysterious and paranormal Velcro skin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, funny! I like the idea of the corpse road as well. That was both mysterious and paranormal. I it like, was. I, I liked that. I liked all the yeah. ghosty element because you do know I like, I enjoy a ghost. Yes. And that was fun. Yeah, I do enjoy that. Barrington Welk, yeah. what an asshole!
0: Yeah, that guy was the worst. Second only to Noah's. I mean, not Noah to Adam's dad.
1: Yeah. Adam's parents. Barrington Welk yeah (sighs) they were not assholes they were garbage people they
0: were they were garbage people but I do appreciate the fact that he was their Latin teacher because clearly he knows Latin because of all of his ley line research
1: (laughs) he knows Latin because he's a treasure hunter
0: Yes. Yes. Uh -uh. That's where Indiana Jones was
1: going wrong.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was a professor. He was almost on the right path. He just missed it. (laughs) He was just a little bit outside the ley line.
1: (laughs) I like the helicopter scene as well. Like... The little bit beforehand, which is like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a helicopter. And it's like, yeah, no, it's an actual helicopter. Yeah, it's actual. It always reminds me of um, one of us is lying when it's like an actual lizard. Yes. So, you know, when something weirds like said, it's like, no, it's real. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then actually you find out it's real. I always think of actual lizard. (laughs) What's what pops into my head.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. Stan, he's,
1: he's an actual lizard. This is an actual helicopter. An actual flying, helicopter, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading some reviews after I read this. I don't read reviews and books beforehand. I don't generally read reviews. But I was interested in this one. And it's, it is the Marmite of books. Like, for every... Every person who loves this series, there's somebody's like, I just don't get it. I, it, it was I've never encountered a, a series of books where it's kind of been so down the middle, mm. either love or hate. It's it was very strange, very strange. But interesting to read people's point of views and what what they didn't appreciate. It seems to be though that the ongoing thing is like they just love the boys and just think, you know, they wanna go on merry adventures with the with the boys and have lots of weird mystical things happening at mm-hmm. um the psychic's house. And yeah. it's it it was really quite interesting to read the read those other reviews. I never typically do, but I was quite interested this time. Um just from internet bits and pieces when I've seen The Raven Boys come up. But yeah, I can see like when you, you first start talking and saying that not everybody likes this book, but you absolutely adore it. Mm-hmm. And I can see, I can understand why. There's such a big cast of characters as well. And for a first book, that's quite unusual. Like the first book in a series, you, you tend to have the core ones and then you'll have the other people introduced as you go along to then build up to a big cast. But you're kind of thrust into multiple people. In the first book, which is quite strange as well. So I think it could be quite confusing at first. But it's definitely an interesting adventure. So, who's
0: your favourite character?
1: Noah. Sweet, sweet Noah. He must be protected at all costs. Because, you know, he's already been viciously murdered.
0: Yeah. I like this scene. Where Noah, he's been found out that he's a ghost. And so he's in the background haunting everyone all the time. <laughs> and then Blue comes over. And it's that awkward scene where she's kind of wants to tell Adam not to kiss her. And then Ronan shows up with Chainsaw. And then Noah shows up as well. But Blue shares her energy with Noah which is a big deal with her, whatever this weird power that she has. And just the change of Will Patton's narration whenever Noah is fading away or when Mm -hmm. Noah has a body, I just, I really liked that scene. Um, Because she's like, here, you can share my energy. And she puts her hand out and Noah grabs it and then says, God, like, Oh, wow, I just got a supercharge. And I really like that.
1: Yeah, and then we he's must like, be a hey. battery of some kind.
0: Yeah, she's... um, What does Gansey say? Everyone's favourite table at Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> Where the power outlets are. Which doesn't are.
1: sound very polite.
0: Well, look, Gansey is so pretentious and 1000% condescending because he's literally made of money and never has to think about anything.
1: He poops change.
0: He probably does. And Ronan is the same because Ronan's family has a lot of money too even though his father was murdered and Declan is in charge of all of that now but Ronan's also made of money, but he can also just dream up more money if he needs to.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's something vaguely illegal in that, but it's probably not written into law, so is
0: it's it? Probably not. There's probably not a lot you can do about it. How are Only you? Only if prove the it? money
1: that you dream up and take is somebody else's money. Maybe. Yeah, because yeah, then that's technically
0: theft. Yeah, there's a lot of grey areas here. It's very mysterious and paranormal. It's very mysterious and slightly paranormal. (laughs) So which of the Raven boys is your favorite, sorry? Ronan. Ronan. Ronan is my favorite of the Raven boys, but I like all of them. But Ronan is my favorite, mostly because he's a lovable asshole. And he's the whole reason why I call anyone a lovable asshole is Ronan is work. where it, Yeah, Ronan is where it started. Um, there's not just a whole whole lot of Ronan in this one, so you don't get to see much of the lovable side of him. It's mostly the asshole side, but you know, there's a couple of there's a couple of times where you can see that he is actually caring like when he punches Adam's father. Or yes. when when he's taking care of Chainsaw, like oh yes. he's actually he's actually kind of precious, but um, you've, you've got to
1: earn his he he doesn't bestow it on everybody. You have to earn the right for Ronan to care.
0: Yeah, and there's a couple of times where Blue says that she like she wants to prove herself to Ronan. And she doesn't know why. It just feels like she has to. And... I mean, I just... I like... I just like him. He is
1: probably the most... Intriguing of the characters. Because, like you say, he's not massively in this one. And you don't see a lot of the lovable side. You do see, you know, some of the asshole in this. But he's not in as much as the other ones. So... Certainly, the seeds of interest is are, are, are being are being planted. Yeah. And what what the hell? Pulling things from your dreams? Like, do you have to be asleep to pull them from your dreams? Does is it a conscious? I have questions. Okay, and I'm not going to ask them because you'll either answer them, which will be spoilers, or you'll not answer them, but you will because your expression. Don't play poker.
0: I would be terrible at poker. I'm fantastic when drunk. <laughs> no, I'm just like snickering behind my cards. Shifty eyes.
1: I don't have four aces.
0: No. I do. I do. <sighs> um, what was so, your surprise, by the way? Um, I think... I mean, I've read this book a million times, so probably, if I think back to the first time that I read it, probably Chainsaw was my biggest surprise, which again, it's the literal last line of the book. <laughs> so that's ridiculous. Yeah, probably Chainsaw. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess Noah. Noah being a ghost Noah being a ghost isn't surprising because
1: he, he freaking tells you it's <laughs> how everybody else doesn't realise or you might think oh they're just going along with it because they don't want everybody to you know, treat him different because he's dead no yeah. it's because they don't realise honestly
0: <laughs> Anywho. but I told <laughs> you I told you <laughs> Oh, it him. literally
1: says in your birthday card happy birthday from your dead friend Noah
0: Guy, <laughs> he probably would do that wouldn't he <laughs> um. <sighs> is Noah but is Noah your only surprise even though it's just the fact that no one realized that he was a ghost?
1: It's the thing I keep coming back to. How it was just... It was literally said and not paid attention to. The pulling things from Dreams with Ronan. Yes, that was... Ooh! Ooh! interest, But it was probably more interest than surprise. Mm. People just not paying attention to what's in front of them was...
0: the surprise. Yeah. Also, I think it's surprising... That, which we didn't really talk about at all, um, the psychic's disappearing Neve from the way, Yeah, I? where did she poof off to? She's I'm in, sus- suspicious. She's, I mean, they said that they were adjusting her scrying mirrors and then, whoops. So she just got sucked into a different... Reality, I guess. Or something. But at least... But at least... She wasn't the one to wake Caveswater and the ley lines. And at least it wasn't Barrington Welk. I mean, if it... Uh. If it was Ronan, it would be dangerous. If it was Gansey, I mean... He's already got everything else. Let somebody let somebody else have it. So I mean I guess I'm I'm glad that it's Adam. Yeah,
1: he's the most sensible choice. How did nobody realize that Barrington Welk is the asshole he is? His name's Barrington. It's pretentious. Yeah. You've got a pretentious name, but chances are you're gonna be a villain of the piece. Yeah. Like you teach freaking Latin. No, no, mate. No, no. Who needs to teach Latin these days? You don't want to freaking eat You're not going to be some scums guzzling MP anymore. No. You're teaching Latin in an American school. You're a bad guy. Yeah. You might as well have just given a mustache that he like twiddles or a British accent. Yeah. Freaking hell. Barrington. Bad guy.
0: Don't worry, he was trampled by white animals things mis- creatures. Misty dreams. Mysterious, and, Mysterious paranormal and paranormal trampling. From the leeline. Hmm. hmm Uh damn me. I think we should play Would You Rather now.
1: I'm just imagining his head popping. Yes. Would you rather... So we asked on social media, would you rather tell the future with tarot cards or by scrying? On Facebook, 59% went with tarot cards. On Instagram, 75% went with tarot cards. On Twitter, 100% went with tarot cards. And on TikTok... 50-50. 50 I'm not surprised. Wow. No. No. We have comments. Annie on Facebook said, tarot cards because they're just so pretty.
0: Constance on Facebook said, personally, I prefer tarot. More fun and provides more detail.
1: My on Facebook said, scrying just sounds
0: spookier. Coral on Facebook said, I love a good tarot reading. I would love to be able to read the cards, and I'm with Annie. Some cards can be so pretty.
1: Colin on Facebook said, as beautiful as the artwork on some tarot cards can be, I'd go with scrying. It's so much easier to know the future in detail, where you can actually see what's going on. Plus, and let's face it, this is an important point, there's always the chance you'll see some boobies. It's
0: possible. It's very... Nina on Facebook said, tarot cards just seem more reliable somehow. What's that in the water? Death? Oh no, it's just a filmy cloud from the pollen slash dry dust dump in Arkansas. <laughs> Vincent on Facebook said, scrying as long as I get to do it using atrials and gizzards. Yes. Somebody's going to the butcher. Bree on Facebook said give me scrying, tarot cards are pretty but I'd like it more like a movie teaser. I'll bring popcorn, extra butter.
1: Nice. Rebecca Castudio, editing graphic on Instagram said tarot because I already do.
0: Oh, nice. L20 Kev on Instagram said scrying as I prefer watching than reading. Unlike tarot, I could potentially watch next year's films by scrying through the vision images. I just need to install a 50-inch sink in my living room and fill it full of water so I can have a movie night. Hopefully, scrying will have subtitles, as I'm pretty sure there won't be a Dolby surround sound option.
1: (laughs) G.S. Pink Mills on Instagram said, I've always thought scrying sounded cool. I use crystals, personally. Oh.
0: And... Finally, Ruth Canast on Instagram says, "Tarot, always a story with the cards." <sighs> so, what are you doing?
1: Um, I think I'm more scrying. Samezies. Um, yeah, the images you can see can still be obtuse, but I think I prefer scrying. Yeah. Um, tarot cards are pretty they are pretty, I agree with the comments there I've got a literally set sitting next to me Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go scrying
0: yeah, I'm also gonna go scrying, but just like, in Neve style where at one point they find a scrying bowl and they're pretty sure it had blood in it
1: yeah, I I don't wanna be standard. I'm not gonna be like in the kitchen, like looking in a little breakfast bowl going, Ooh You know, gonna find me in some in the middle of the woods with some weird stubs and going, uh, are you okay there? I'm like, Yeah, I know the future <laughs> Yeah. If you're not gonna go mysterious and paranormal kook, then what's the
0: point? What's the point? There is none. Would you rather be called Richard Campbell Gansey the Third, or Barrington Welk? Remember, remember, <laughs> we were just talking about the most pretentious names.
1: <laughs> Please see previous argument that if you are called Barrington, you are the bad guy. I mean, C- Richard Campbell Gansey the Third is still pretty pretentious and likelihood to lead to villainy, but Barrington—not as bad as Barrington, in my opinion. So I'm going to go with Dick.
0: I love that when Blue is making fun of him for his name and she calls him Dick, he's like, please no. Just no. Don't call me Dick. Don't call me Dick. I I mean, I think everyone probably knows my answer to this question based on the previous arguments. Um... Obviously, I am the bad guy, so obviously, I am picking Barrington Welk. (laughs) Villain. (laughs) Me. Villain. True, true. Scrying Mm. in a pool of blood. Barrington Welk.
1: Would you rather be told your kiss will kill your true love or that you are alive because someone
0: somewhere else died? Mm. Those are both pretty terrible things. But I think that I would... I think I would choose to be told that I'm alive because someone somewhere else has died because that's already happened and there's nothing i can mm. do about it
1: yeah i agree cuz you don't really want to test the theory you you can't that's a theory you can't test it's you know it's history but the kissing the true love thing that's and like that's a take a chance
0: and what kind of kiss is it and what if you kiss someone who you think is your true love and they're like i'm fine
1: i also dispute the 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 phrasing of true love, I hate that, because what Mm. the hell does true love actually mean? Does it have to be romantic love as well? Because you know you could kiss your best friend, or just a relative who you absolutely adore. It's such an intangible, for me, slightly meaningless phrase because it doesn't, it isn't quantifiable.
0: And aren't you allowed to have more than one true love? So you just go around kissing everybody, and everybody dies. Exactly,
1: exactly, exactly. And, I mean, if you look at this situation as well, we were talking about, you know, the whole found family versus, well, sperm and egg donor, really. If if this was in Adam's place, and he went around and he kissed... The other boys, Ronan, Noah and, and Gansey, he loves those boys, in a probably in a platonic way, yeah. um, because you know they've helped save his life, they keep him safe, they you know they they give him, him a home, and and a family. So is that not true love?
0: I think true love can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So it's. Very much more ambiguous. Yeah. And. True love's kiss. You know, are you going to use true love's kiss to erase a fairy spell on your uncle? So you sack <sighs> out. Like, <laughs> you know, that's. It's questionable. But if being told that you're alive because someone somewhere else has died, like there's nothing you can do about it. It's done.
1: No. It's done. It's no. over.
0: They're dead. You can't bring them back to life, except for you can, kind of, because it's Noah. <laughs> Shrug. Yeah. But if you think about it as well, like,
1: the mortality rate in childbirth used to be astronomical, so somebody literally did die to, you know so you are alive so again it's kind of a ambiguous statement but if you're taking it in the literal sense that Noah had to die in order for Gansey to be alive then it's different but it's a statement of you are alive because someone somewhere else is dead it's kind of well do I I know that person whether you're a good person, whether a bad person you know with they're destined to cure cancer, and I'm just going to be a lazy layabout. Also, I don't know, that phrasing as well organ donation. Somebody had to die for you to receive a very important organ to keep you alive. Yeah. This, this is this whole pre, you know, fate destiny conversation that's, you know, it's not appropriate to have now, but it's there. It's there in this yeah. question. This question yes. is bigger than a simple would you rather.
0: Let's move on. I feel, on. Like, I feel <laughs> like everyone needs to answer this question thinking about it as deeply as we have. Yeah, we could go
1: a lot deeper, but let's let, let's, let's not keep this t- a 10-hour podcast. Yeah, let's
0: move on. Let's move on. Would you rather be a ghost that everyone thinks is alive... Or be able to power up energy. So essentially, be ghost. would you rather be <laughs> Noah or Blue?
1: Be a ghost that everyone thinks is alive because you could have so much fun with that.
0: I know. <laughs> it just, you can just tell people all the time, like Noah does. Yeah. Dead. Shrug. Oh, you've got and very cold like, hands. Yeah. Ah-ha, ah-ha. Uh-huh. I don't have circulation and then you knock their mint plant off the desk
1: I'm sitting there eating pizza I miss pizza yeah. i very offended right now <sighs> what about you? are you a ghost or being a battery?
0: I'd rather <laughs> be a ghost or a battery um... <laughs> well you know what? how about this? You are a ghost. I'll be a battery, oh, so you can have the power to, you know, still be around. I'll share my energy with you. Thank you. We make a great oh. team.
1: I will spook people, okay. just for you.
0: Okay. And then I'll like <laughs> hold your hand for a while and boost you up so you can do like the librarian scene from Ghostbusters. Oh,
1: okay. it's happening! It's happening! Yeah. It's happening. That might actually be the first thing that we need to do. Yeah. Alright. Good plan. <laughs> Last question. Would you rather wake a Learline or wick
0: Glendower? Now, we actually haven't woken Glendower yet, but... We know if we wake Glendower... We know that if we wake him, he'll grant us a wish. So that's very important. But waking the ley lines, which is what all of this first book was about, seems to be a very powerful thing. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to take extended power more than than just the one wish. You know, you can't wish for more wishes probably. So I'm going to wake the ley line and take the power that comes with that.
1: And if I'm it with means you. I'll walk
0: out of my skin, you know. So be it.
1: We'll all <laughs> no, it, it back to make somebody us walk out the skin. It's a sacrifice. There, are your sacrifice. Now, I'm with you. Wake the wake the ley line. The thing is with the wish, you've got to. It could go, you know, like with gins and they get quite yeah. It, it's tricksy.
0: A, It's a monkey's paw. Is what it is. Is it's, what it is. It's it's wishmaster. It's a wishmaster. God, I love those movies. It's a
1: Wishmaster situation, let's not go into the Wishmaster ma- wish situation, let's avoid that, yes. let's just wake the layer line.
0: Yes, yeah, okay. Oh man, now I want to watch those movies over again. I love Wishmaster, they're so bad.
1: I haven't seen them in so long. There's like
0: six million of them now, isn't there? There's oh, a man. ton of them, there's a ton of them, and yeah. now I'm going to have to go and watch them all this weekend. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Favorite final thought quote?
1: (laughs) I'm just going to give you a couple, but I will say when I was listening to it, every now and again, there was something that was said and I just chuckled away. Like there was so many, but I didn't bookmark enough in time to to go back and get them. So I'm just going to give you a couple. The problem with being weird was that everyone else was normal. Yep. And watch for the devil. When there's a god, there's always a legion of devils. Nice.
0: What have you got? Um, I'll just give you a few because otherwise it'll just be me reading the entire book because that's how much and I And there's it. copyright laws. I know. Um. <laughs> What fresh hell is this? When Gansy walks in on feeding chainsaw, and it sounds awful, and he just pleasantly walks into the room. Oh, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> Ronan smiled his lizard smile. Ramp, BMW, the goddamn moon. That's what he's doing. He's building a ramp out of plywood in the backyard <laughs> to go not to the sensible. moon. sensible <laughs> thing to be doing. And then, finally, from the passenger seat, Ronan began to swear at Adam. It was a long, involved swear, using every forbidden word possible, often in compound word form. As Adam stared at his lap, penitent, he mused that there was something musical about Ronan when he swore—a careful and loving precision to the way he fit the words together, a black-painted poetry. Yes, yes, love it, love it. Mm. Mm. Oh, one, stay away from boys because they were trouble, and two, stay away from Aglamby boys because they were bastards. <laughs> oh and i also like he asked for a specific i gave him a specific i'm sorry it wasn't puppies sarcasm
1: there was a lot of sarcasm in this book I so much sarcasm.
0: sarcasm so so good literally
1: dripping from the pages
0: yep and that's probably sarcasm another reason why i love it so
1: much yeah
0: yeah Alright, if you liked this, try
1: this. Oh, okay. I am going to recommend this, not because I've read it, but because it's by one of your favourite authors. And there is a oh, hashtag continuous link in there as well. So I'm, I'm recommending this just because we are reading another one of your favourite books, and I thought, let's go for one of Amanda's favourite authors. Yes. And it's called Lips Touch Three Times by Lainey Taylor, and it's illustrated oh. by Jim de all
0: That's her mm-hmm. husband! There you go. They're precious!
1: <laughs> Three tales of supernatural love, each pivoting on a kiss, that is nor mere kiss, but an action with profound consequences for the kisser's souls. Mm. Do we have mm. a not-so-tenuous link?
0: Mm. Mm. It's mysterious and paranormal.
1: The first story is called Goblin Fruit. In Victorian times, goblin men had only to offer young girls sumptuous fruits to tempt them to sell their souls. But what does it take to tempt today's savvy girls? The second story is Spicy Little Curses. A demon and the ambassador to hell tussle over the soul of a beautiful English girl in India. Matters become complicated when she falls in love and decides to test her curse. And the third story is called Hatchling. Six days before Esme's 14th birthday, her left eye turns from brown to blue. She little suspects what the change heralds, but her small, safe life begins to unravel at once. What does the beautiful, fanged man want with her, and how is her fate connected to a mysterious race of demons? Mm. I honestly thought this was a perfect recommendation against the Raven boys, but also it's a perfect recommendation with it being Amanda's month.
0: Yes, because I do love Lainey Taylor, and that's a delightful story collection.
1: What is your recommendation? Are you cheating? You're going to cheat.
0: I'm cheating. (laughs) I'm cheating. Obviously, finish out this series, which we will do eventually on the show. Mm -hmm. But then move on to Ronan's trilogy, which begins with call down the hawk. So that's what I'm going to share with you today, call down the hawk. Okay. Ronan Lynch is a dreamer, which we just learned from the literal last line of this book. He can pull both curiosities and catastrophes out of his dreams and into his compromised reality. Jordan Hennessy is a thief. The closer she comes to the dream object she is after, the more inextricably she becomes tied to it. Carmen Farouk Lane is a hunter. Her brother was a dreamer and a killer. She has seen what dreaming can do to a person, and she has seen the damage that dreamers can do. But that is nothing compared to the destruction that is about to be unleashed. Ooh. Ah. It's all Ronan all the time. Oh, she's having I know. I know. <laughs> do we have a spotlight this week? We do. We do have a spotlight this week. This is a new and indie spotlight. This one is called Reinception by Serena Strauss. And this one actually just came out a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think. Okay. And I thought it just sounded really fun. It sounds very interesting and probably right up our alleys. A hundred years in the future, reinception is used to modify the brain and eliminate unwanted behaviors, everything from overeating to the worst criminal impulses. Unmodified 20 year old Leandra Justice feels ordinary compared to her perfect friends who like living in a reinception regulated world. Not everyone is in favor of modification. Some remain quiet, while others are outwardly insubordinate. After a protest turns violent, a rogue member of the serving class, known as the Prole, saves Leandra and exposes a new reality to her. The true purpose of Reinception may be far more nefarious than advertised. Now her free will may be her greatest asset. But Leandra's discoveries about Reinception are putting her life at stake. Can she save society or will the secrets she uncovers start a civil war? Oh, that's bad. I know. I, that I know. Ooh. But it's sci fi. <sighs> and it's futuristic. Consequences. I know. I know. I know. So, oh, anyway, I thought it sounded like a good. lot of fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. We do like our sci fi. We love sci fi. We do
0: more sci fi. Yeah. Oh, sci-fi. Oh, sci-fi. Ooh, sci-fi. <laughs> Mysterious and paranormal. Ooh. Ooh. So that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix and we're probably gonna try to watch the movie too sometime so look out for that we probably get
1: around to doing the exorcism as well your head keeps spinning around, know, Amanda. it's attractive you do it so well but we need to get this sorted
0: we need to get the exorcism underway we really really do
1: we'll do it sometime during the week
0: okay yeah
1: You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.